Hey, I love therapy, and in fact, I've been going to therapy since I was around six years old. Though I talk about therapy a lot and may interview some therapists on the show on occasion, nothing that is said in this podcast should be considered a replacement for therapy. If you are struggling, I urge you to please seek guidance from a therapist because you are absolutely worth it. Hello everyone, you are listening to Wine, Dine, and 69, a podcast about dating, relationships, sex, and self-love. I am your host, Rachel Dalton, as always. Hope everybody's doing well. I hope that you are taking care of yourself. Um, Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Uh, I am here recording this intro with my fireplace going. It's fake, alas, but it is still quite cozy. And all my Christmas lights up. So, uh pretty much in a perfect setting to record a podcast intro. I am uh, actually going to try to keep this intro brief. Uh, (laughs) I'm just very busy these days. I feel like I have to like schedule when I'm going to shower and when I'm going to like water my plants. Uh, It's uh, stressful between work and um, studying for this class that I'm taking uh, and rehearsals. The show opens in a month, so I've been at work there. Tonight's one of my only nights off. I said I was going to keep this short. I'm not doing a very good job of that. <laughs> All right. Uh, some very important sex ed news that I wanted to share before we get into the uh, bulk of the episode. The Kinsey Institute, which is like the OG front runner in sex research. Uh, it's based at the University of Indiana. It has been um, since the 40s. And it, from the beginning, has focused on researching sex and what that looks like. So a lot of these studies that people have talked about on this show uh, have started with the Kinsey Institute. Without the Kinsey Institute, we wouldn't have a ton of this research. And quite frankly, like I might not even have this show. Um, It is an incredible treasure trove of information. Um, And last month, uh, lawmakers in Indiana voted to approve a budget that uh, has amendments that would block Indiana University from using state funds to support the Kinsey Institute. Which is just disheartening and, quite frankly, concerning. Um, There's so much disinformation out there at this time. And it is more important than ever that we continue research. Especially when it comes to people learning more about their bodies and about what sex is. For the sake of pleasure, but also just for the sake of having information and and educating people. Um, So I'm going to link to a page uh, on the Kinsey Institute website that has a bunch of ways that you can support the Kinsey Institute during this time. You can donate. Um, There are some uh, articles you can read. I'm going to link to a Washington Post uh, article from the executive director of the Kinsey Institute, um, their social media sites, um, all of that. So please check it out. And uh, with that, I'm going to end with a couple really good quotes uh, from Dr. Alfred Kinsey himself. He says, it is incomprehensible that we should know so little about such an important subject as sex unless you realize the multiplicity of forces which have operated to dissuade the scientist, the scientists, to intimidate the scientists, and to force him to cease research in these areas. And uh, Dr. Justin Garcia uh, says, in a time of divisive politics and disinformation, it is more imperative than ever to preserve and defend the right of academic institutions to illuminate the unfolding frontiers of science. <sighs> We're just in a very... It's a t- it's a touchy time right now between 
uh, we're, we're about to start a, a election year and I'm scared to be quite honest um, and the Kinsey Institute is something that absolutely should be protected um, and has been part of Indiana University since the beginning so uh, I would hate to see that change now at this point so I'm going to link to this page I'll link to that op-ed um, and that is that. Please support the Kinsey Institute. Uh, everything that I know about sex, everything that sex educators know about sex, all of these studies that uh, we're always talking about and detailing, it's all comes from the base of the Kinsey Institute. So, all right, today I have my guest Daisy on the podcast, and we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things, but it kind of all boils down to being curious about your partner and how you can communicate that curiosity um, in a way that will fulfill your relationship. Uh, Daisy is a transformation coach, and it's it's funny, you know, I recorded this interview almost a year ago. Um, when I was struggling with imposter syndrome and I'm in a totally different phase of my life now, which is kind of funny, uh, but it's always fun to just kind of go back and listen. Uh, another thing that I wanted to draw attention to that we talk about in this episode and that I'm going to link an article to in the episode notes uh, is the wheel of life, which is something that Daisy uses with uh, her clients, but it's also something that has been around for a really long time and it helps you to focus in on these different areas of your life. And as I say in the interview, you know, I've been very focused on the more interpersonal areas of my life, uh, you know, since birth for the past 33 years, it feels like. Um, but, you know, I did the Wheel of Life assessment today. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good, hey, it's a good time to do it. It's about to be a new year and it's a good thing to do to get a sense of the areas of your life that maybe you want to work on. And I was... You know, for somebody who's been so focused on like interpersonal relationships and um, my spirituality and all of, you know, the more inner things, the less tangible things, the things that I'm really focused on that need my attention going forward are my career, my finances, my health, like way more external um, tangible things. So it's kind of interesting to you know, look at where I was when I recorded this and then look at where I am now, a year later, and a fuck ton of growth later, um, and see how I've transformed in the process. Uh, so if you're looking for a way to jump into the new year, uh, try the Wheel of Life. Um, it, has a, it has a really cool background and is a great tool to kind of explore where your priorities are and where your values are. All right. Uh, with that, I'm going to cut to a quick commercial break and then please enjoy my conversation with Daisy. Broken, a tragic romance game by Apon Games is a storytelling game of tragic romance for two players about broken objects and broken hearts. Together, you and your play partner will create two characters in a relationship and over the course of 10 scenes, you will explore the ways in which the things you loved about each other crack until everything about your relationship is broken, including 10 real life physical objects you will break over the game's 10 scenes. In Broken, the relationship will always end. Although the tragic conclusion is inevitable, there is endless potential for healing and self-discovery along the way. Broken is an emotionally deep game that explores themes of memory, identity, and loss. Broken is also full of empathy building, hope, and healing. It recreates the raw, visceral experience of going through a breakup, along with the catharsis of smashing objects, all while telling a beautiful story along the way. Get your copy of the Broken ebook edition now by going to bit.ly slash broken game. That's bit.ly slash broken game or head to apongames.com. A-P-O-N games.com today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am here with Daisy today. Excited to jump into another topic. Daisy, uh, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing very uh, well. I am enjoying uh, life in France at the moment, which uh, you should never complain about. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's true. I definitely want to talk a little bit about that um, as we go through this conversation. Um, but first, kind of let's jump in with you just telling me and the listeners a little bit about you and what you, what you do and uh, why you are in the middle of France right now. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, my name is Daisy Hilpans. I am a transformative coach, um, but I do also have a background as a microbiologist uh, in research. So I have uh, a little bit of a, what you say, a double mindset. I bring uh, very much uh, the science into coaching, uh, which is also why I have chosen to work as a transformative coach. Uh, mm. Uh, I work uh, exclusive uh, online with my clients, which also means that I do have clients from uh, all over the world, uh, which also allows me to, in the middle of April, to be in France, even though I live in Berlin, because I do work from wherever I want to work. Living the dream, truly. Living the <laughs> dream for, 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 for some people. I, I will say it, it, it takes a little bit of a judgment. I travel a, around in an old van. Uh, which, uh, by the way, doesn't have a toilet, doesn't have a shower. So that uh, for some people will not be the dream. Uh, I love it, uh, <laughs> being in nature and just uh, making things work uh, the way they can work. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like an adventure. And that's, it is, that's what definitely. it is. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, um, so how did you, so you have a background in science. And mm. how did you kind of come to be a transformation coach how did that like journey yeah happen? it was uh, a little bit by coincidence i will say uh, i have been in science for many years as a microbiologist and i do love the work i was doing there i didn't love my work settings or uh, i didn't mm. love to have to have that uh, nine to five job or not have the freedom to go wherever i wanted to go um and uh um Original, I came. I am Danish uh, by uh, by birth, birth, and I came to Germany where I live now by a stationery from a company, uh, mm -hmm. and at some point they want me to move back to Denmark, and then I was a little bit like, oh, I don't want to move back to Denmark. I do love Berlin, and I do also want to change my life uh, in how mm -hmm. I work, so that became the natural place for me to pause and say, what else can I do? Um, and my first initial thoughts was I wanted to go into data science. I like computers. I did okay. already. I did uh, already at that point some uh, pro programming at work, and I was like, "Oh, data science! Then I can work from a computer wherever I am. Is a perfect fit. Uh, fit. I can use my scientific background also." And I started in a course in data science, and three months in, I was like, "Oh, this is not me at all." <laughs> <laughs> so uh there i was i was a little bit lost of what to do now um and by coincidence i had a friend who were uh, taking a coaching education um and they needed a volunteer uh to uh one of their training and he was like okay you have i know you're not doing anything why don't you jump in and be the volunteer and i was like ah, yeah, okay. why not um so i jumped in uh and were, were co uh, coached by one of the students um it didn't w go amazing uh so but <laughs> afterwards uh the teacher called me uh of of this training and in three questions she was able to really pinpoint what was my doubt about what i wanted to do with my life now oh wow yeah, and I was afterwards like, wow, also, how does she do that? I want to know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the, the perceptiveness that that yes, requires. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one of the outcome of this conversation where I'm going to pause my decision of what I'm going to do further on in my career for a year, I have the opportunity to do that. Uh, but another thing that was not really within the coaching, but I was so intrigued. So I was a, bit, a little bit, okay, I'm going to take a coaching training in this year where I, I paused just to learn how mm -hmm. to do this. And also for me, it was a tool of self-development. 
And one week into this coaching uh, calls, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is for me. It just felt yeah. like the perfect it, fit. Yeah. It felt so right. So there was, um, so after that, there was really for me, there was no going back. Um, I finished my training and I started right after that uh, as a self employed coach. Wow. That's incredible. It's a so, really cool story from start yeah. to finish. Yeah, so it, it was really that one of, of, of finding a match I hadn't thought would be a match. Also, for what you say, for a science person, or, and I, mm -hmm. I do still see myself very much as a science person of having the fact, having trying the uh, hypothetic of, of what you want to prove to coaching, where in coaching, mm -hmm. really are doing is you're helping your client to find their own answers. You do a knowledge going into any coaching session that you don't have the answers. But just that way of, of finding the methods, because it is also very method-based in how to let people see what is the solution for them. That really talks to the science part of my brain also. And you can see that in a lot of the tools that you've developed. There's very much like an analytical component to that. Yes. There is definitely yes, uh, and it is is the part of coaching that that do speak to me. There is many different tools within in coaching, uh, and you can choose the tools you like. Uh, there is also, for example, uh, body empowerment, where you're using your body uh, to express uh, what is holding you back by, for example, moving around in the uh, room while you are talking from diff different uh, perspective of your problems, and I can see the power of it. But for me, it's not a tool who works. Interesting. Very interesting. Yes. Well, um, what's kind of, talk to me a little bit about the word transformation, what it means to you. Like, why transformation coach? What, what is uh, it about that word or that concept that really grabs you? Yeah, it is really having that uh, transformation of your mindset. So okay. going into this process with either this is not possible for me, I can't do this, or being so locked in your old stories, so to speak, um, and don't see that you are limiting yourself by telling yourself stories that are not true anymore. Mm -hmm. um, for example, one of my stories when I started coaching was I'm not a people person. I am a result data person i don't function with people and that was really a story i have been t telling myself for 15 years and it turns out not to be true at all <laughs> i can very well work with people and change how people see themselves so how did you kind of start dismantling that idea that you had about yourself yeah it is it is a little bit of in fact, do you uh, using a coaching tools? So every time you make a statement about yourself, ask yourself, is this true? So for mm. example, for me saying I'm not a people person, is this true? No, it's not because I have been teaching at schools and to be a teacher do require you are to a certain degree a people person. Otherwise you are not a very good teacher. I have been a mentor. Uh, which also requires you have people skills. So this one of all the time when you make a statement about yourself saying, is this true? And sometimes you need someone else to ask you if it's true because you're not e even noticing yourself you're making a statement that is not true. Right. Yeah, it's like, um, so I always find that when I'm recording this this podcast... I have the guests on at the exact right moment that I kind of need that advice in my own life. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Um, but it's it's very much like I, so I like switched careers about a year ago and I went from the editing field to um, real estate and uh, involving a little bit more math. And I'm realizing that I really right now need to work at dismantling the idea that I'm not a math person because I've had that idea since I was like in middle school. And I'm learning that that limiting belief has really impacted me and is making me feel a lot of imposter syndrome. Um, 
in my current position. So it's a similar idea that you just kind of have to be like, all right, I've had this idea about myself. It's not necessarily true. Let's start to take that apart. Yeah, definitely. And and it, it, it can be so hard sometimes to take those apart because at some point we start to see ourselves at, as uh, this person. And one of the t- uh, thing about limiting belief is as soon as you have a limiting belief, you are collecting the proof of this belief is true. You don't mm-hmm. see when life shows you it's not true. Right. Yeah. It's like you have blinders on and you only want to find that information that backs up the belief that you already have about yourself. Exactly. Yes. And that's where, for example, a coach can come in and help you to see above that blind spot you have about yourself. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, that is a really important part of that's what transformation is, right? Like, I know that I've been in therapy for a really long time, but I'm always like, how do you change your thinking? I, I get that the way that I'm thinking is limiting, right? Mm-hmm. But how, yes. what are those steps to transform the way that you think? I mean, it's such a interesting concept. And, uh, you know, especially if your your thoughts are stubborn and have been around for a long time. Definitely. And and that's also why, for example, when, when I work with clients, I always start uh, when they have realized they do have this limiting belief that is holding them back, is starting uh, asking them, what is the smallest possible step you can take to work on this mm, because mm-hmm. starting big often feels very overwhelming and you see all the things there is not possible but taking a very small step most people can find the small step yes yes one thing incremental incremental change right exactly yes um and and for me for not being a uh, having this idea of not being a people person then okay what was the first small step i could take for me to change this idea and for me it was going up to uh for example i'm i'm living in berlin as an expat and there's a lot of meetups for expats saying okay mm-hmm. i'm going to sign up and i'm going to speak to one person who looks uh, appealing, interesting, one I would like to know better. Just one person. Uh, that is, is good enough. Yeah. No, and that way you're, you're cutting yourself some slack and giving yourself some grace. Exactly. And it is, it is really uh, a little bit playing around with, okay, what is a small step? And if it's too much, okay, how can I make it even smaller? So finding right. the balance where you do, what you say, come a little bit out of this belief you have about yourself, but also not going full dive into, I am a totally different person than I've Right, right. Yeah, that's, I mean, because that's going to be a shock to the system and a shock to the people around you, so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and also, again, that one of, of seeing uh, when you do have a limiting belief seeing the proof that also means if you go full dive in and you don't succeed you are just reinforcing your own limiting belief exactly exactly well today we're going to be talking about communication um but when you're when you're communicating with another person, understanding yourself, um, and being able to communicate with yourself, which is kind of what we're talking about here, is really important. So, before we get into talking about like communication with another person, um, I want to talk a little bit about some of your tools for self understanding. Um, like I mentioned, you have a uh, very analytical approach to all of this, and you have some really cool tools on your website. Um, one of them that I was like, "Ooh, I I need to try this," is the Wheel of Life. Um, And you have a really big focus on values. Uh, So tell me about that and why values are important, what individuals can do to discover their own values, um, and how how you've developed these exercises. Mm. Yeah, uh, 
if if we, I think it's easier if we start with the uh, with the wheel of life because the wheel of life sure. is in is in fact a very old tool. It is come from a development of a, a Buddhism a mindset, and in the eighties uh, there was two uh, different coaches who developed it into a coaching tool. Um, so it has been around for for a very long time. Um, what I do like very much about the wheel of life, you can you can choose to do it from two two different point of view. You can either choose the calories that is suggested by those uh, two authors who developed it in the eighties, or you can choose your own calories. So what is important for you in your life? And for me, that is where the power comes in, because for example, if you take uh, one of the pre-made calories that is always there if you are following uh, the the standard one is career but if career is not important for you some people have hey i have my job in a way of earning money and that is perfectly fine Mm -hmm. for me just to have that why then look into your career yeah Um, so therefore, I like very much of saying, okay, what overall calories in my life do I have and which ones are important to me? And also when looking at what is important to me, it's both looking on the areas of your life you are th- uh, think, feeling are going amazing and those you want to work on. Because we do look on what is going amazing to see what is it in these areas. Where do your strengths are in these areas? Where do you get your energy from? Because we can use that, uh, what you say, knowledge to work on those areas where you don't feel it goes great. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh, like looking at not your strengths and your weaknesses, but where... No where you have excitement and where, yes. you know, what might be less exactly. important to you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it is, a, it is a tool I, I use myself. I use it every year. Uh, normally uh, you do, uh, you beginning of the year, you set up the areas you want to work on. And then every qu- quarter you reevaluate these areas. Um, and I have done it for, Three years now myself as a tool also before I started as a coach I know I knew the tool um, and the areas my focus areas some are the same every year but others comes and goes depending on what I'm feeling is important right now to work on in my life yeah it's an ebb and flow over the course of yes. many years interesting yeah. yeah I think it's it's interesting I find that fascinating because I've been talking like with my therapist, I've been beating myself up because I historically have had so little focus on my career. Like it just has not really mattered to me historically. Mm. My romantic relationships and my friendships and my um, relationships with my family, that's what's always really mattered to me. And um, it's only been in the last few years that like my focus has shifted away from, not away from that. I mean, I think that's always going to be like my number one value Mm. is the people in my life. But, um, you know, just more of a focus on the on the career area than there was before, um, more of a fo- focus on stability and trying to find stability in all areas of my life. Mm. Yeah, it's funny definitely. how that works. Um, yeah. And also, for example, f- for me, uh, when I was uh, uh, employed in research, uh, fi- fi- uh, financial well-being were never an area for me because I had a good salary. I had a fixed salary every month, so it was not really a thing for me to, to work on. Now, as a self-employed, from going from a fixed salary to having uh, a salary who goes up and down, depending on mm-hmm. how many clients I have, that does require me to work with my money mindset. So that has right. suddenly become a focus area of mine. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, people that you work with the Wheel of Life on, they find it to be a helpful tool? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, also, because uh, I normally uh, use it, uh, I don't use it uh, as a tool every time I, I have a coaching client. I use it I will say always as a tool, if I get a client who are in that, what you say, that state of mind of saying, 
I don't know what I want to work on, but something yeah. doesn't feel right. And there I feel it's a very good tool to discover what is it who, who doesn't feel right. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. If somebody comes in and they're like, it's, I don't feel aligned with myself. Exactly, and I guess that kind yeah. of like really leads to the next part of the question, which is values. Um, yeah. How do people figure out what those values are? Like what kind of exercises do you walk people through to understand what they value? Uh, it is uh, a little bit different. So, uh, one of the exercises, for example, for if you are unsure of what your values are, I do like is to look back uh, in time and look at situation where you got uh, offended or angry more mm. than the situation normally would require it. Ah, interesting. So that's like an alarm bell. Yes. So going back and look at these situations and say, okay, what was it in these situations there, so to speak, rub you wrong? So what was it who, who triggered you? Because quite often, if one of our values are across, we will be in a situation where we feel triggered. Yes. Yes, um, so that's a really good point. Hmm. So that can be a very good point to start on if you are unsure of what your values are to say, okay, if I look back, where in situation of, of my life have I, if I do look back critical, perhaps have overreacted. Uh, and normally mm. I say, look, look around with reaction of people you do want to have in your life. Because it's, it's like how very do you feel easy. around them? Yeah, because it's very easy to be be triggered about someone who has the totally opinion uh, in in values than we have. But finding your true values in me, you find them when when it comes across someone who are dear to you. Uh, because yeah, then you do really true. feel that trigger of hey, I've. I have put my value onto you because it is my value. It is important to me. And I haven't really thought about if it was your value also. Oh, yeah. And I that, again, leads perfectly into, you know, working with other people um, yeah. and communicating with other people. I mean, how do you suggest that people communicate their values when interacting with another person? Um, or, you know, talking to a person, if you're like outdating, let's say, how do you, what kind of questions, what kind of conversations do you encourage people to have to make sure that their values align with this person? Yeah, I, I will say in the, in the beginning of, of a relationship, uh, most people are very overbearing. Uh, and that's part of it. We are in love. We have hormones in the body. Everything is just uh, pretty pink, so to speak. Yes. But do you have that feeling of saying, asking yourself, would this be something that would normally be okay with me? Mm -hmm. And it can be very hard to see. I do acknowledge that totally. Um, but if you have that little bit of a feeling of, hey, this is not me, so to speak. And I think we all know that feeling have had it at some point in a relationship thinking, Hey, this is not me. Definitely. Uh, then ask yourself, why is it not me? So what is it mm -hmm. in this situation who does is not me. And also if you still have that feeling afterward, this is definitely not me. Then I will say, speak it out, say it, Hey, this is interesting, exciting, everything, but, this just feels wrong to me because, and that is the most important thing when you do have a communication with other, that is telling them why. Yeah, it's not just saying I'm uncomfortable with this. It's being able to have that introspection to be able to know why you're uncomfortable with it and then to be able to communicate it to the other person. Exactly. Or also just having the, the, the conversation about, about the why. Because we also quite often have a lot of assumptions 
when we are communicating with other or interacting with other and perhaps those assumptions you have in your head was wrong so if you right. don't speak why you are feeling uncomfortable you don't give the other person a chance to say hey but that was not what i meant or not what i wanted uh so having that open communication of both acknowledging that every time you are reacting to someone else you do have a certain amount of assumptions in your uh, interactions and being willing to also accept that sometimes you get those assumptions wrong yes oh my gosh frequently i mean <laughs> i find that when i'm like in a in an issue with somebody i've gotten much better at this over the years to be mm. able to just be like okay I have my experience, but their experience could be completely different. And, um, you know, it could be that they didn't mean to say that this way or that that, that didn't come across the way that they intended, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. Um, and giving people the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Yeah. And also, uh, one of the things you have to keep, keep in mind, as soon as you interact with someone else, you also have a cultural difference. And when we are talking of culture and different people are all, often thinking about people from different countries, different religions and things like that. But just your neighbor, neighbor your next door neighbor, do mm -hmm. have an, another cultural understanding than you because they are brought up in a, a slightly different way. So just saying a, a very simple example, do you sit together and have your dinner? Or is it okay to have the dinner in front of the TV? Right. Uh, yeah. And it's different from household to household. It's definitely, it, it is. Uh, and there's no, no right or wrong in this. But if you are brought up with a certain way of this is how it's done, perhaps you have never questioned it, that that is just how it's done. And then when someone right. do something different, you perhaps see it as unpolite. If, for example, right. saying you are brought up with we sit together and have our dinner, then you meet a new partner and you have spent the whole day making an amazing dinner and they come home and say, oh, this looks delicious. They take the dish and they sit, go in and sit in front of the TV to see the news. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah, if I can you, see how that could be. <laughs> yeah, that, that can develop into a conflict without either of you meaning to offend the other or for it to be a conflict right. it's just a slightly different uh difference in in your culture of how do we have dinner yeah and uh, like some people really value that together time yes other people there are other families who you know sitting and talking over dinner might not be the way that they connect. They might connect by going to like a baseball game together or something. Exactly. Or perhaps for other people, it can also be, yeah, I have had a long day of work where I have interacted with a lot of people. I just want to sit in peace with my dinner, watch something stupid in on the TV, and then I'm ready to interact. Right. Yeah. No, and, and you just have to navigate that. Yeah. Like on a person to person basis. Yeah. Um, well, one of the other kind of analytical tools that you created was uh, conversation cards for people in partnership. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you're, you're a transformation coach, but what inspired you to kind of delve more into this uh, communication area between people? Yeah, it. Uh, I have always been been interested in in communication and in interaction uh, between uh, different people and how we uh, approach communication and how we can see get so easily off in the way we are communicating. Uh, I also, when I was in research, I was in an international company, so also just seeing what happens from different. Uh, uh, cultures across borders have to interact and see how things go wrong in communication so it have always been a point for me of interest um, okay and one of the points uh, i start seeing when i start uh, start uh, doing coaching and also i do also do couples coaching um okay was a little bit sometimes uh 
there can be a tendency for couples to forget that we do uh, develop as uh, human beings. So the person you fell in love with five, 10, 15 years ago is not the same person as they are today. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I see sometimes in couples that that one of, of acknowledging and seeing that sometimes there is a lack of that because yeah this was who i felt in love with yes but we do all develop you are also not the same person you was five years ago um so these conversation cards they are both for the new couples but they're also for a couple who have been together for some times also just to have this conversation about more deep topic uh more value-based uh communication to see where are we in each other do we still align in what we see of each other or do i need to see my partner in a new uh, new light so to speak right right because you're changing they're changing i i've always thought that it's like a really good idea to you know check in once a year to make sure Mm -hmm. that you and your partner are still on the same page that you want the same things you know that type of thing yeah, and also it's also good uh, sometimes to remember as a couple what brought us together as a couple. Mm-hmm. That's also why, for example, one of the question is, what made you fall in love with me? Yeah. So that one of having the conversation of what was it who brought us together as a couple? Because if you for what three months have been irritated about the dishes not being taken then perhaps you don't see all the beautiful things there still is in the relationship. Right. Right. Yeah, we have a tendency to focus on the on the negative things right in yes. front of us. Exactly. Well, what are um, some of, I mean, that's a great question. Like, what made you fall in love with me in the first place? What are some of uh, the other types of questions that you have on the cards? It, yeah, it's also, uh, for example, uh, what, have you, what have you learned uh, about love from your father? Mm. So both going to the past and to the present. Uh, also, what what are t- uh, free strengths you see it in yourself? Are there anything that is on your mind right now who are worrying you? So also giving the opportunity of of sharing and op- open up for a conversation that perhaps is difficult to start. Yeah, absolutely. And that those are good questions because it again is um, asking your partner to be introspective as well. Yes, um, and like I, I normally say, the important part here is that you listen to the answer. So you do yes. read the card out, and it's very clear on the card who has to answer, and then you let the other person answer. So give them the time and the space they need to formulate themselves uh, in the right way. So just sit back and listen to what is it. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can be learned just from, I mean, a lot of learning just takes place from listening. Definitely, yes. And it it can be so hard. It is really a skill that is... uh, there's hard to, to to really master and especially when you are with someone where what you say uh, the talk you're having together is important to you because you will you would like to confirm them in what they are saying you would like to give comfort you would like to disagree so many things happen when you hear something and that one of saying hey I need to shut up and just listen that mm, can be mm-hmm. Very, very hard. Absolutely. But I mean, so many relationships, I think, are uh, ended when one or both of the couples just stops listening. I agree on that one. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what creates connection in the first place is sharing stories, sharing intimate things. Mm. So the moment that you stop sharing that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and also my hope is a little bit with some of these questions uh, is also that that people come back in that mindset of a beginning of falling in love where you could talk all night. Yes, 
Yeah, that's the beauty of uh, I've played like a similar. I don't know if you know um, Esther Perel. Yes. Um, yeah, she has like uh, I think a similar game. It's like a game, kind of similar. Mm. But I've I've played that, and like you can just go for hours. Exactly. Just connecting and talking, and it sounds like a lot of the questions that you have are different from the ones that she has, which I think is great. You know. Um, yeah, but- and that there is there are different of of these out there. There's also other uh, deep question. Uh, uh, for example, for best, best, uh, best of you, there's a UK uh, company. So there is different of these out he- out there. And I'm I'm always saying, you do you like these? Then find the others that are there and get these conversation going because they are so in- important to connect uh, connect uh, to each other. Yeah, yeah, and there's I mean there are different prompts across all of the different um, cards, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you can also you can get cards. You can play with your friends and your family. Uh, those I have is focused on relationship, uh, but there are other cards out there. You can play both with friends, with uh, families. There are even also some you can use in team building uh, at work, also just to get that deeper connection with each other. Right. Yeah. No. I, I it builds a, a teamwork, a camaraderie. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, what do you think are some of the um, attributes or skills that are necessary to have good communication between partners? We talked kind of about a yeah a willingness to listen. That's a big one. Yes, a, a willingness to, uh, to listen. Um, I will also say uh, an understanding of how each other communicate. Um, taking, for example, uh, my partner and me, um, I am the type who... Uh, but you say, I I think through what I want to say. So I'm making my uh, conclusion and my meaning inwards, and then mm-hmm. I come out with with my results. Where my partner is the type who who think while he's speaking, so he's making his conclusion and his feelings and his ideas while he's speaking. That means, for example, where he starts the conversation is not always his opinion by the end of the conversation. Right, right. Where I am as I having the inner conversation and then I speak my opinion, then I'm very clear on what is my opinion when I start the conversation. So just giving room room for we do communicate in a different way so for me to know when he starts to state something that doesn't mean that that is his end opinion right he has to go on the journey and you kind of just are there to observe the journey which is kind of beautiful in a way yes it is definitely and also for me to know uh that as i have the journey in uh inwards sometimes he feels he's lost in how i ended in my uh statement because he didn't follow the journey yeah because he just saw a to c he didn't see or a to z he didn't see all the letters that were you know in between those different points that you reached on your own yeah so, so that one of our, our understanding of how do we communicate in the same way, and if we don't, how are we different? Um, I think that is very important to to figure out as a couple if you want to have the good com- uh, conversation and communication together. Yeah, no, I'm gonna have to. My partner listens to the podcast, so I'm gonna have him listen to this episode, and then we can uh, talk about our our communication. <laughs> Yeah, and, it's a and healthy thing to do. It definitely is, um, and also sometimes, uh, like, like I said in the beginning, also when we just talk general uh, about communication, you do have a lot of assumption as soon as you communicate uh, with uh, with somebody. So, state out clear when you are making your statement because of uh, assumption so mm, instead mm-hmm. instead of saying uh yeah you don't like going to a party at these friends right then say i believe you don't like to go to this party because and then you can come with your assumption 
then you have both said that is your belief because of this. And then the other uh, partner has uh, has a um, room to say, oh, but that's wrong. Perhaps it was like that the last time, but that was because of I was feeling stressed at work or I had sure. had a bad day or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or you are perfectly right. Yeah, but there needs to be that room for that back and forth, that dialogue. Yes. Yeah, and especially uh, on what you say, like I said, we do all make assumptions and it, it is natural. It is the way our brain function. It it means it doesn't have to think about too much. I can just go that way. That is how it always is. This mm-hmm. is easy. I can relax. This is a nice road. So don't blame yourself for having assumption. It is the way the brain works. Um, but try uh, try sometimes to grab yourself in your, in your assumptions. And I will say, especially on the bigger things. And also, uh, and with the bigger things, I mean things that matters to you. Right. So right. If, yeah. if it's something where you feel this does matters to me, this is important to me, then try to have an open conversation about how your partner sees this yeah because their experience is completely different from yours Yes, definitely yeah well what about difficult conversations like we kind of just talked about you're the type of person who likes to think through things on your own before you bring them to your partner yes how can how can someone prepare for a difficult conversation yeah uh i will say uh for a difficult conversation and and that can be on any uh, subject uh, what is easy for one couple is difficult for another couple so there's no right or wrong is what is is a difficult difficult conversation what i say is normally know you why so know why this is important for you and know how to formulate it but also give room and listen to the other person, especially if they don't agree with you. And a little trick of, uh, of uh, when you are not listening anymore, if you are so focused on either to interrupt or what am you going to say next as an argument, then you have stopped listening. Right. After you're just waiting to talk again. Yes. So Again, coming are, back to that listening. <laughs> yeah. So if you are in your head piling up arguments to use, then you have stopped listening. Mm-hmm. And also in this conversation, as you, as you have prepared, you know your why, because that is part of the uh, preparing for this conversation. Also acknowledge that your partner perhaps was not aware of this conversation was coming and is perhaps unsure of their why. So do give them time and space to figure out why this is important to them. Right. Just as you were able to take that time to figure out why it's important to you. Yes. Okay. And you can have, uh, what you would say, you can have in when you say the, the popular terms is deal breakers. Um, oh, yeah, like re- red flags or deal breakers, yeah. Yeah, I don't really like that word, but I must also acknowledge I have um, a lack of a better word. Uh, but one thing I'm also saying is do know your deal breakers and do also communicate them as early as possible. Um, yes. For example, for me, I have never at any point in my life wished to have children. So mm-hmm. that has been something I have been communicating very early in a relationship because I don't want anyone to go into a relationship with me that is quite clear on I don't want to have kids with right. the hope of I'm going to change my mind. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are a lot of uh, a lot of women who have that similar experience. Yeah. Men so, too, but I think more women than there yeah, used to be. Yeah. And also, on the other hand, also respect your partner's 
deal breakers. If your partner right. is saying, hey, he doesn't want to have kids, and kids is, in my my opinion, one of those, you need to agree on this one. Uh, at least right. in a certain right. age, this is something you need, need to agree on. Then also respect if he says, I don't want to have kids, that you are not going to change his mind yeah. about it. Yep. That is... And of course, as we talked about before, we do all change over time. But going into a relationship or staying in a relationship with the wish or demand of the other person have to change something... That is just uphill, I will say. And I will also say it's not fair for the other person. No, say, or for you, really. No, or for you. Yeah, because ultimately neither of you are going to be getting what you need, what you want. Exactly, yes. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, must... that's definitely a tough conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. And they can, of course, be more light and they cannot. Or they can also not be about totally deal breakers or things like that uh for example uh, one of the things i quite often come across in 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 my coaching is um when having individual uh clients so not a couple but for example if i have an individual client who comes with the, the feeling of not being happy in the working life and the outcome of the coaching is they realize they need to change their working life that need also probably means they need to change both where the work which income they will get perhaps they have to go back to school right or a lot of things can open up in that and that can be a different uh, difficult conversation to have with your partner of Absolutely. saying this stable life we have together we have built together i want to break well i want to push to that i want to break that i want something different yeah yeah definitely can be difficult i know um i think there's a lot of people who are kind of having those types of conversations these mm -hmm. days post pandemic definitely yes um and also but like i said before going into that conversation and by knowing your why so you can also explain to your partner of why i don't want to stay where i am right now why i want to move on and also what i do believe it will give right these are the these are the sacrifices that i slash we will have to make but here are the overall long-term benefits exactly yeah and that is also what you find out when you start looking into your why. You also find out what is it, what is it the dream I want to build, and if you can build, right? If you're building dreams together, as a couple, I will say you you are on the right path as a couple, because yeah, building something together, even if it's a dream and you're unsure if it will succeed. Just having that one of this is something we want together, give a fundament to build a lot of stuff, other stuff on. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's pretty solid. Mm. Um, well, we're running close to time here, but I do have another question about communication that I want to hit before we start tying up. Um, I found that like in my own personal relationships, romantic relationships, that both partners have a drive to communicate well in the beginning and of the relationship when things are great, right? Like there's this like, I'm going to do it. Like I've actually had the feeling I'm going to do this right this time. Yes. But then over time, that motivation to communicate or the desire to understand your partner is lost by either one or both partners. Mm. Um, why do you think this is? And what can couples do if they're committed to being together long term? How can they maintain that drive to continue communicating and having those types of conversations to keep them yeah. connected? I will say uh, in the beginning, when you need, meet a new person, you are curious. You are so curious about what's going on in their head. What are they thinking? What are their previous experience? And 
over time, as you have been together as as a couple, you will know a lot of these things. So this curious about knowing a little bit disappear. So I will mm-hmm. say the best thing you can do is to keep a curious mind. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you are wondering about something and perhaps not, it doesn't have to relate to your partner, but just wondering about something, then ask the question to your partner. So a little, a little bit of nurse, nurturing this curious mindset. So right. For, for example, like I said, uh, I have been traveling around in the van now, and we have also been to Spain. And looking at restaurants and signs and things like that, at some time I, I started wondering what was the most common male name in Spain? Was it Yusi or you, uh, Shushan? Because that, those were those two names I saw all the time. Oh. And just, <laughs> just asking that question out openly mm-hmm. to my partner. So those small things you wonder about every day, and it doesn't have to be something big, but remember to share them because that do grow a curious mindset in both of you. And that also means that you become more curious about what are you, uh, what are each other's thinking about something? Yeah. It doesn't even necessarily have to be about being curious about the relationship, being curious about about how the world works, you know, can be one of those things that you can share with your partner and that fosters a connection. Exactly. And also quite often when you have this curious mindset of how does something work now, this was a very simple example, but uh, it can also be uh, how does a religion work in another country? Then you also come into the natural, into the discussion of what are your beliefs and how have you grown up with religion and things like that. So it does foster this personal conversation also. Definitely. No, I, I can see that. That's uh, I, I'm finding that the through line of all of a lot of this is uh, a willingness to listen and to learn from your partner, even if it's been a long time. Yes. Yeah. I love and that. also also that one of acknowledging that even though you were very curious in the beginning and thought you ask every single question you could you probably didn't and also perhaps the answer have changed because you right your partner are changing as a person so don't think you know the answer or know truly what they think and believe about everything ask again and see what is the answer this time. Right. Right. Yeah, we are all ever evolving. Yes. It's very true. Well, Daisy, uh, where can people find you? Where can they find these tools that we talked about today? Where can they um, follow along on on your van life journey? Uh, yeah, let, let uh, it's your time to kind of promote yourself and uh, let us know where we can keep up with you. Yes, um, I will say the easiest part is, in fact, to go to my uh, website. There is uh, hillpans.coach. Um, and there will also be linked to social media and you can also find different tools uh, on that uh, page under tools. So that is hillpunts.coach slash tools. Uh, and that page is always uh, developing. So there will come new tools onto and everything is free for download. There is no email list or anything like that. I do believe in if it works for you, then you take the tool and you use it. Love it. Yeah. That's great. I love what you're doing. Just uh, putting it out there for people to foster better communication. Yes, definitely. Um, Yeah, and I would love to, if uh, any of uh, you are using the conversation cards, I will, of course, love to hear your feedback. Uh, They are still in development and they will come uh, add-ons over time. uh, I'm still working. uh, Right now, I'm working on uh, dilemmas uh, to add those to. Uh, in a little bit of uh, what you would say, um, those dilemma conversation, there is perhaps good to have before you stand in the situation. Um, right. An example can be, do you always say yes to a wedding invitation? Ah, So, so okay. just having the conversation, what is my opinion? What is my partner's opinion? So when it perhaps happened we crash into something where we do have different opinions we do know it before we have to give a answer back within a month right right 
Interesting. Yeah, something you would think would be so small. Yeah, and uh, if you are aligned, then you are looking at that one and think, hey, that is not a dilemma at all. But are you not aligned? Then it can be quite a big dilemma you suddenly have you haven't seen coming. Definitely. Well, uh, I know what my boyfriend and I are going to do this weekend. Download some of those cards and give it a shot. (laughs) That sounds good. And please let me know how it goes. Because I'm always curious about uh, what people like about them and also which one of them they don't uh, like. Right, right, yeah. And it's going to be different for everybody, I I imagine. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, But yeah, uh, also talking about, uh, we talked a little bit about cultural uh, differences. um, Mm -hmm. And there is also, a uh, when we are talking more like uh, different uh, parts of the world, there is, I can definitely also see a difference in how the conversation cards uh, are used and, and mm. what people are finding the hard question and what they're thinking are the easiest question. Interesting. So it can kind of like, depending on what's happening culturally and in the world. Yes, definitely. Huh. Um, and also, uh, to a certain degree, also what is the, the culture in, in uh, for example, within families in where you have been brought up? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't think about it as a different culture, but it absolutely is. Yes. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, um, Daisy, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing. Uh, I love this intersection of analytical thinking um, combined with emotional intelligence. It's why I started this podcast in the first place. Um, so I appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your work and these tools with listeners. Thank you very much for having me here. I'm very uh, grateful for having the opportunity to talk to you. Oh, thank you for coming. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you listeners for tuning in today. You've been listening to Wine, Dine, and 69. I am your host, Rachel Dalton, and let's keep talking. Mm -hmm.